Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like us, we have a great study tool for you. Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass. On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, and you can even connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of What's Going On with Nat. Today, I'm going to be talking about the recent developments in Afghanistan following the withdrawal of U.S. troops. I'm sure you've all been seeing the news coverage, but maybe you don't understand the entire situation, which is why I'm here to help you break it down. For months, the U.S. has been working on pulling out troops from Afghanistan, with the goal of completely withdrawing all of its troops by the end of August. Two weeks before U.S. troops were set to complete this withdrawal, however, the Taliban has seized power after two decades of a violent and costly war. U.S. officials were aware that in the absence of a U.S. military presence, the Taliban would regain power in Afghanistan once again, but they didn't predict that it would happen so quickly. It's been less than two weeks since the Taliban had taken over their first provincial capital, and the Afghan government has already fallen. As of this week, the Taliban has taken over the capital of Kabul, President Ashraf Ghani has fled the country, and Western countries are rushing to evacuate their embassies. Afghan government employees possibly face retribution, and women are hiding indoors, unsure of what rules will be forced on them by the Taliban. The swarms of thousands of people at Kabul's international airport are reminding people of the fall of South Vietnam in 1975. Thousands of people, including employees of international organizations and media companies that have been targeted by the Taliban, camped out in terminals overnight, waiting for flights out of the country. At least seven people have died at this point, trying to board planes leaving Afghanistan including two people who were reportedly shot by U.S. forces after firing weapons, and others who fell from a departing plane after climbing up the baggage chutes and grabbing on as the plane took off. Taliban spokesman Mohammed Naim told Al Jazeera that the war is over and that the makeup of its new government would be announced soon. The war in Afghanistan has been going on for decades, The Taliban has already ruled Afghanistan from 1996 to 2001, and under its authority, the Taliban enforced Sharia law, which is a harsh interpretation of Islamic law. During this time, women were banned from attending school or working outside of the home, and any time they went outside, they had to wear a burqa, which is a garment that covers the body and face, and they also had to be accompanied by a man. The Taliban also banned music, and they resorted to extremely cruel and violent punishments, such as cutting off the hands of thieves or stoning adulterers. In 2001, the U.S. invaded Afghanistan in order to retaliate against al-Qaeda, who had orchestrated the 9-11 attacks while being supported by the Taliban. But even after the U.S. overthrew the Taliban government, 
American troops didn't leave. It proved to be much more difficult for the U.S. to hold territory and rebuild a nation that had been crumbled by repeated wars. And as the U.S. began to shift its focus towards Iraq, the Taliban began to regroup and establish power in the Afghan countryside. Last year, former President Donald Trump announced that the U.S. planned to pull its troops out of Afghanistan and sign a deal with the Taliban that limited U.S. military action against them. President Joe Biden then announced that he would continue with this plan and that the last troops would leave by the end of August. Today, a thousand more U.S. troops are being sent to Afghanistan in order to speed up the process of evacuating the country, bringing the total number of American troops in the country to 6,000. America's failure in Afghanistan has led us to reevaluate the concept of U.S.-led nation-building. The U.S. supplied $80 billion to the Afghan National Security Forces, who in turn offered little resistance to Taliban forces. In June, the U.S. intelligence community estimated that the Afghan government would collapse within 6 to 12 months after the withdrawal of U.S. troops, although that number turned out to be overwhelmingly smaller. So why did the U.S. follow through with the withdrawal of troops if they knew the government would collapse and Taliban forces would take over? Like, why didn't they just keep their troops in Afghanistan? On Sunday, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken pointed out to NBC that the Biden administration felt its hands were tied by a May 1st withdrawal deadline agreed with the Taliban by the previous administration. He said, quote, if the president had decided to stay, all gloves would have been off. We would have been back at war with the Taliban attacking our forces. The offensive you have seen throughout the country almost certainly would have proceeded, and I would be on your show right now explaining why we were sending tens of thousands of forces back into Afghanistan to restart a war that we need to end, unquote. So what's going on in Afghanistan? The short answer is we don't know. The Taliban has stated that they want to form an inclusive Islamic government with other factions. They are currently holding negotiations with senior politicians, including leaders in the former government. They have pledged to enforce Islamic law, but they said they want to provide a secure environment for a return to normal life after decades of war. Many Afghans are worried about the transition back into Islamic law. Although the Taliban has been trying to promote themselves as a more moderate version of their previous rule, many Afghans are skeptical. Women are especially vulnerable to this transition. While the Taliban has announced that they are no longer opposed to women attending school, they have yet to announce a clear policy on women's rights. Many others are concerned that Afghanistan will once again become a haven for terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda, in the peace deal signed between the U.S. and the Taliban last year, the Taliban pledged to fight terrorism. The U.S. has little leverage to oversee this, though, so it's not clear how successful they will be in this fight. As the U.S. military leaves the country, the lives of thousands of Afghans who aided or supported the U.S. military operations are at risk. Roughly 50,000 Afghans are eligible for Special Immigrant Visas, or SIVs, but have not yet left the country. These are people who worked as interpreters, aides, or scouts to the U.S. military or international organizations in the country. These people and their families have been specifically targeted by the Taliban 
and their lives are at risk if they remain in the country. They are eligible to apply for SIVs. However, the visa application and vetting process can take years to finish. Some U.S. government officials are arguing for a plan to allow these vulnerable Afghans to stay in a secondary location while their visas are being processed in order to protect them. On Monday, President Biden announced that he would expand refugee access to include Afghans who worked for American non-governmental organizations and U.S. news agencies. Furthermore, Defense Intelligence Director Gary Reid also said on Monday that plans are in place to fly as many as 22,000 SIV applicants to two military bases within the U.S. Other countries, such as Canada and the U.K., have also said that they will accept Afghan refugees. It's hard to predict how things will unfold in Afghanistan since new governments can behave in surprising and unpredictable ways, especially those formed by rebels. However, we know that most new governments share the common purpose of consolidating authority. And while the Taliban has already forced out government officials and taken over government ministries, that's not the same as governing or winning public consent. Currently, in the provincial capital of Kunduz, basic services like electricity, water, and trash pickup are struggling. Regardless of how the Taliban will establish its authority, the fact that remains is that people will get hurt. Women, government workers, former aides and interpreters to the U.S. military and journalists are all at risk under Taliban rule. As one Afghan government worker put it when asked about his current situation, just trying to get out. All I can do is work on it, but who knows if anyone will be able to leave or just be forced here to wait for their own death. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. This has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That? If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media at HDWNKT and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, check out our website at HDWNKT.com to find all of our show notes and study guides for each episode. You can help us improve the quality of the podcast by becoming a history hero through our Patreon. Thank you for listening and see you guys next week.